Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in to Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in to our friends at Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, we're glad you all could be with us as well. Excited to welcome back best-selling author Tony Lindsay to our broadcast today. Tony is an author that's given us a lot of great books over the, over the decade I've known him. But his newest is One Dead Activist. It returns David Price, a beloved character of Tony. We'll talk to him about the book, but also about his journey as a storyteller, what it's been like for him to do what he loves and see the response, but also the different ways he's been able to entertain readers as well. If you all are not staying connected with Tony, we'll let you know how to do that. But, Tony, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, no, Cyrus. Thank you, man. It's it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Amen. Pleasure is definitely all mine. For our radio audience in Mississippi, Tony became very familiar with uh, with the Magnolia State when he came here. (laughs) Some time ago, uh, being able to to visit some cities with us, even going over into Louisiana with us as well, uh, Tony. Tony, it's been so great to be able to see your journey along the way, to be able to read your books along the way. I want to talk about though the experience for you. What has it been like for you as you've gone from state to state, city to city, meeting readers and to see the response to your work? Oh, that's probably um, the best feeling in the world, Cyrus. Um, seeing people who have read it and have questions and want to talk about the stories and the plots. That's always, always really good. Um, I enjoy it. And, you know, not only the face-to-face when it happens in email or on the Internet, that's always <clears throat> the best part because they've accepted the fictional life of these characters. And they were so involved enough in the story to have concerns and cares and, and want to know if I will revisit them. So that is, um, that's what it's all about, really. That's yeah. the interaction. That interaction <clears throat> is what it's all about. Well, since you mentioned revisiting, I'm going to speed things up a little bit when it comes to David Price, because that's exactly what you've been able to do uh, in the newest book, When Dead Activists. Of course, we've gotten to know uh, David Price from other great books, uh, and, you know, including, of course, One Dead Doctor, One Dead Lawyer, One Dead Preacher. Talk to us about him and, and why he, out of all the other characters that you think, Tony, is one that you continue to come to time and again. Oh, good question, Cyrus. Um I guess David, I probably have more um, in common, you know, with him. He's he's maybe eight, nine years younger than me. Um, he's a man that grew up in Chicago, um, South Side, loves the city. Um, he has lifetime friends in the city. Um, he gets involved in the majority of in, in all the books. It's always a threat to a person and the city. So he's always protecting the town. He's always involved in trying to do what's best for a friend or a friend of a friend or a a friend of a family member. Um, As a bodyguard, he gets pulled into protecting people. And when a person needs a bodyguard, they're generally in a perilous situation, and he's there to offer that aid, that help, and that's part of his personality. So when writing David, it's like, you know, being with a friend. Um, Some of his decisions, you know, I don't always agree with, but as the character develops, there are some things that, that that character is going to do. You know, I remember an author told me that years ago 
about how characters get up and walk off the page. And I didn't, at that point in my career, I sort of believed it, but now I really know. But I know that it's about characterization, not, the, not so much that they get up and walk off the page, but you have to know what that character would or would not do. And that makes with the consistency, especially with a repeat character. You know, I can't have David all of a sudden um, liking um, peaches if he hated peaches, you know. So right. unless it's a woman a woman who cooked the peaches in his case, he'll probably <laughs> eat them and act like he likes them. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I, I'm so glad you said that, Tony. One thing we have not talked about, and we've had several conversations now after the release of One Dead Activist, one thing we have not talked about that definitely comes up in this book from someone who, of course, we've gotten to know before, and that is, of course, a character that probably a lot of your readers talk about, Regina. What was it like for you revisiting her? I've talked to you about David, but what was it like for you revisiting Regina and their dynamics together? Well, um, Regina is, whether David admits it or not, um, the love of his life, right? He tries to, he has been with, um, over the decades of the book, he's been with a couple of other women, but she's always in the background. Um, They were married, they have a child together, they had two children, one died, they have a a son together who's an adult now. So for them to um, be past each other, there's too much there. They're both still attracted to each other. they both still are. She's a reporter, um, so most of the stuff he's involved in, she is also involved in. They, so they see each other professionally. Um, and, again, the physical attraction is still there on both ends. David keeps himself in shape. She is uh, a woman who keeps herself in shape. So they are um, a, a lot alike. But he would never admit that because he sees her as bougie, right? And David is, you know, from the hood. So he, he but they have some of the same morals, some of the same beliefs. Um, they raised their son, even though um, they were apart, they raised him, and he has traits and beliefs and values from both of them. So they are two and one, considering the birth of the son. Their oneness is in their son. So, right. and... It was it was fun bringing her back up to show the values of of, of a professional black woman, right? Uh, not saying that her values all everybody has this, but she has she values her career, she values right. her professionalism, and I like showing that in a character. Well, it definitely comes through, and I wanted to bring up a couple of things for those who are, are kind of new to the One Dead series. I want to talk to you about that title for the series as well, Tony, something else we haven't discussed. But what I think is so interesting about the books is whether we're talking about a book like One Dead Lawyer, of course, we have the the dynamics of race, of course, that comes up in that book, um, as well, of course, the way Mm -hmm. that people look at the you know, at, at the legal system, right? In One Dead Preacher, an interesting thing you and I never discussed was belief in God, actual belief in God, um, and why some people are turned off by that. We see that actually in that book. In One Dead Activist, we see not only, of course, the dynamics between the police and activism, something that is kind of ripped from the headlines, but we also see the makings of the activism. Why was that important for you? Uh, we hadn't talked about that in our previous conversation, but why was that important for you as, as David is sitting down to enjoy a meal, also being able to get an idea of the inner workings of what these people involved in activism have to deal with? Well, yeah, that was important because I wanted to the purpose of the book was to say, hey, look, this is unacceptable to our community, right? So activists are the people that tell people that. 
activists of the people that say, hey, no, we don't want that. You know, I was going to title it um, One Dead Race Man, but the term activist is so much, um, it's more appropriate because these young people are saying no. Um, They are saying you are threatening a threat to us, and we're going to make that threat public. And they have the wherewithal to know how to do it now. Um, they have the computers. They have the radio stations. They have the podcast. They have Facebook. They have Twitter. And if they get or- when they get organized, they do make a change. They do make a difference. And I wanted to um, voice that. I-, I wanted to commend it, but I also wanted to point to those that um, – play with it, right? So so you've got both. You've got those people in this story, um, like David's son, who's wholeheartedly behind it, but they, they become behind it once they see that this really is important. And that's another thing about activism, that a person has to develop the psyche for the task. A lot of people may think, oh, yeah, this is something cool to do, but they don't know that what is something cool to do is societal changing. What makes it, in my opinion, cool is that society does change because of these actions. Right. Or they're attempting to change society because of these actions. And I think, too, even though we – I'm I'm sorry about that, Tony. I was just going to say that that's why I think it's so Mm -hmm. interesting about this book, even though it's entertaining and it's great to see characters we've gotten to know. There are some interesting messages in the book, and I think, you know, even as um, Regina is talking with David at one point in the book, you know, kind of thinking about that, you know, this this is not something um, that could always end peacefully. It's not something that could, you know, could I mean, as, as Regina even says, it could cause a riot. You know, these are, I mean, we've seen this in our everyday life. I want to actually read something, though, from Chapter 8 in the book that I thought was really interesting, because I think it goes to another point, too, about messaging. So I'm curious as to, for yourself, um, you know, what your thoughts are about this. For those who have the print edition like I do, it's on page 103, and this is a scene um, that I'm going to read actually from the police headquarters there. This is what you wrote, uh, Tony. The scene that, that ended the video was Wilson protesting in front of police headquarters on the blue milk crate with his bullhorn yelling, and if this city thinks police violence is acceptable to us. We are here to tell them different. It will not be tolerated, not by us, not by us, not by us, not by us. So I want to talk about that because, this, I mean, David finds himself in a very interesting predicament in this book, and we'll talk around that so we don't spoil it. But what was it like for you to share that message that, you know, for that there, there were people who actually had had enough and they were not going to go through just letting this keep going without there being some accountability? Well, um, as you said before, um, unfortunately, that feeling, that emotion is from these headlines, right? Um, it, it, it's not, even though this book takes place in Um, 2018, it's not uncommon all over the country to hear about um, young black people being slain by police officers. So this, um, that scene is him or or me as a writer um, developing, not by us. We don't want this to continue. And and if it happens, it's not going to be swept under the rug. This is something that as a community, we're tired of, of not seeing, experiencing, but also 
tired of the cover-up that goes behind it or the media rush that happens after it. Because you'll hear about it, and then the media will stop talking about it altogether. So this was David, his son, their his son's organization of young people saying, no, we're not going to forget about this. We're going to keep this active because this has to be dealt with. And that was that, just not saying it's okay. And, and that was, you know, a motif in, in the work. It's not okay, you know, and it's, it shouldn't be accepted by anybody's community, but particularly since it's largely the majority of us being shot, invaded upon, killed, not by us. So that, that was his stance. That was his screaming. And, and you know, I, I kind of um, hope it wasn't too real or too um, – but, it, you know, that it, as a writer, you comment on what you're thinking about, it, and that has been on my mind uh, that, you know, <laughs> it's the second book with this um, shared theme. You know, the right. Killing Breeze sort of touched on it, but this one really sits on it. So Exactly. Exactly. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, he's on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. Excited to welcome back my friend, best-selling author Tony Lindsay, to our broadcast. Tony is the author of a lot of books. Uh, he's been hitting us with a couple of books a year uh, for the past past couple of years. You've got, got, to, got to read books like Chestnut Checkers, which was another great book that he did. Of course, uh, the book we're talking about today primarily is One Dead Activist. Now, Tony, I think you burst the bubble of a lot of people uh, when we had our last conversation on another platform. I asked you, uh, you've been releasing these two books a year. That's something we should continue to expect. Why don't you tell our audience here on the radio side what you told me? No. <laughs> that was that <laughs> happened <laughs> due to the pandemic. Um, a couple of, uh, well, one publisher schedule changed, so that they put a book on pause. Um, I had finished, I had two books that were finished, and I was working on one. So the, the the things one publisher decided not to do a, a piece that was done. So I had that one, and and then one piece came about because of a scene that was rejected from another piece. So I just so I was able to write a novel um, during the pandemic, actually a novel and a half during the pandemic. But I had two that were already written and looking to go out, but could not go out. So no, that would not be something <laughs> I would ever try to do again. It, um, the marketing of that many books, the marketing of two books a year for a small publisher or for a, for a writer who's with a small publisher was is extremely difficult. Um, so it's and and the readers may get overwhelmed as well. I, I don't know, but um, after these four, I am I only have one book that I'm working on now. Um, quite happy with with doing that, um, and I believe you are possibly my last scheduled interview. So I am going back into full writer's mode and doing some um, some emails here and there, but going back to <laughs> the writing part of it now. Got you. Got you. So, uh, you know, one thing you and I talked about briefly, Tony, before we went live here with our radio audience here uh, in Mississippi and, of course, our online uh, affiliates and outlets that are carrying this as well, is your longevity. Mm -hmm. And I know from knowing you over the years, this is not something you talk about a lot, even though uh, I think you probably should talk about it more because it is not something that is common, but you've been able to not only to – to have the longevity you've had as a published author, Tony, but to be able to capture different types of readers with every book. So, I mean, is that something that you just – it's just 
just is what it is with you, or do you feel do you have those moments where you think back and think, "Wow, I'm still here <laughs> after after all of these years." Um, I, I don't really because it doesn't seem like it's been that long, you know. Okay. Um, the people I have um, or started with are still writing, right? Um, and they're still actively writing. So um, Earl Sewell, Sewell um, Kwame Alexander, Carl Weber, um, a, a lot of um, – um, I'm so bad with calling because I'm calling buddies and I'm not calling the women, but there have been a lot of the women who um, – Victoria Christian Murphy – who started when I started, and they're still, um, and they're still in this, right? And then there were writers who were writing before me, Walter Mosley, um, Alice Walker, and they're still in this. So I look at, it just looks like I'm just, you know, on pace doing something that, you know, other people are doing as well. Um, so I don't, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a long time, but when, when I did look up and it was 20 years for one day preacher, I did go, wow, you know, that that was a fast 22 decades. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I don't see it um, hopefully um, ending anytime soon. I don't see stopping. You know, some days, you know, you get frustrated, you know. Um, different things in the industry will, will frustrate me. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to do this again. I, you know, but after I sit down and drink a coffee, it's like, here we go. <laughs> you know? so, right. Yeah, I have, I, I have, have, have had moments of, of yelling at the wall, you know, but then it's, um, this is what I do. I'm a writer. So, and I've, I've not, I'm not only, I've been writing as a child, but now I've prepared myself. I got two degrees that specialize in writing. I read writing craft books. I'm reading a I picked up a book now that I can't wait to get to. It's all about sentence structure. So um and it's funny because it's a craft that I could do by myself and the only person I'm really accountable to unless the publisher gives me a deadline is me. You know, this right. is my story. And and there's a degree of I I don't know what other job gives you that. You know, maybe I don't even think acting gives you that. I I think it's, you know, it's pretty specific to this career. Gotcha. One thing that we uh, haven't talked about in this conversation I definitely want to bring up because I think it's important to a question I want to ask you at the end. I'm getting old, Tony, so hopefully I won't forget the question I was going to ask you at the end. But that is the collection of short stories because you've given us several of those. And one that you and I have not talked about in a couple of years that was really impactful was Almost Grown. So you, it kind of goes to what I was saying earlier, Tony, about you being able to write for different age groups, in, including young people. Talk to us about the short mm-hmm. story collections. Have, have you, as you look at those those short stories that you've been able to give us in these different books, are there characters there that you would like to explore more that may end up getting their own story in a novel? Um, sure. Actually, Chestnut Checkers came from a um, a short story. I believe it, it's either in um, Fat from Papa's Head or no, it is. It's in Fat from Papa's Head. That character came from that short story. Um, the short stories for me are really good because it, 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 they're nine times out of ten, they're slice of life vignettes, right? Even the erotical ones. There are things that there are situations in life where I could put messages in these situations where I could say something um, about a topic in a short story. And most of them were written 
as me trying to get them published in a magazine or me trying to get them sold in, in response to something else. And But now, except for actually Almost Grown, Almost Grown was written as a collection one story at a time and I knew I, because I wanted it to um, target women. I had wrote um, pieces of a whole to target young men, and it was brought to my attention that I had not done that um, for uh, young ladies as well. So I put Almost Grown together, um, targeting with all with all female protagonists. And um, Fat for Papa Head has all male protagonists. Um, pieces of a whole is, is, is adult-based, but there is a little young adult stuff in there, but it's largely adult-based. And that came to be, that was actually my master's thesis um, from the MFA program at Chicago State. And it was published by uh, Third World Press, which was, which is one of the highlights of my publishing career, actually being published by them. I'm still very proud of that. So I have to ask you then uh, about the what's next. I mean, you are a person, from what I have you know, gathered from you over the years, uh, Tony, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, you seem to be a person who really tries to savor the moment. It doesn't seem like you try to, to move too far ahead. Um, but are you already thinking about the what's next, or are you just at this point just trying to savor the moment and then, like you said, going back to your happy space, which is, which is writing? Um, yeah, I've already started the book. I'm like probably 25 pages in. I was working on some research on it today and doing a little bit of writing on it, not much. But I just, um, with the writing and the teaching now, I can actually um, space my time a little better some days, not every day space my time a little bit better. Um, so the novel I'm working on now, I am really excited about it. And, and that's when I know that, um, I'm doing something that kind of um, no, no. I'm doing something that um, is what I'm supposed to do when I get excited about the piece. And I've been excited about every book I finished. You know, I, I've got only one book that I've written that I haven't finished that I started on that I haven't finished. Everything else that I started, I finished, which is um, a sign to me that this was. And, and I know when they're finished, right? Um, so, and that's all, to me, that's a good thing. Um, the piece I'm working on now, there is a lot of conflict, probably more conflict than any other piece, but there's nothing I could do about it. This is how this story, these people are in conflict with each other. Um, it's a story of a, uh, a young married couple, and they have different ideological beliefs, but they really love each other, but things are just different. Like, he's Christian, she's not, you know, so... It, um, but um, with Christian, with a Christian person comes a Christian family, right? Um, and so it's not just him; it's her family too, or his family as well. So, and that's the, the I've got the outline, but it's developed much further beyond the outline. So it, I can tell it's going to take me a while, which is okay because gotcha. I'm ready just to write. <laughs> you know, I'm ready gotcha. just to sit down and research and write. Do you find, Tony, that with each book we're getting a better idea of of you and who you are and, and I guess more appropriately, what's on your mind, what you're interested in? Yeah, hopefully from the from the start um, I was able to let, let people know what's on my mind. Um, um, I, I've heard some people tell me that, uh, man, you always got something, something about the streets in your pieces, and I didn't think that that was – always the case, but perhaps from their opinion, 
um, there is. Um, um, one thing was, um, one lady said, there's always somebody, there's always a drug situation where people are struggling or, or trying to get over, and I didn't hadn't noticed that either um, until it was mentioned to me. So I, I guess there are things that <clears throat> I'm concerned about that are always possibly or because I write from the experience. I write, you know, I live in a, a, a in a community. I grew up in the city, so I write about things that I experienced. Like I heard a story uh, yesterday about a guy who was just walking in the park, and a young man shot him, and he shot him. Um, and it seems like it was a gang initiation thing. Um, that bothers me, right? To think that um, a person cannot take a walk in the park, you know, and not get shot. You know, so that that that's something that's just, you know, um, shouldn't be the case. You know, this isn't, but it, I guess it is. I was gonna say this isn't Dodge City, but to a certain degree, it is. And fortunately enough, this gentleman was um, was able to fire his own gun to stop any further thing from happening. So I, I guess in a way, you have to prepare for where you are. And, and fortunately, he was prepared. And he may have saved his own life, you know, which is a sad state of affairs, but it is what it is. Right. You know? And I think every every city has its dangers. Chicago isn't alone with gun violence or um, corrupt politicians or, you know, bad police. Every city has that. So if some of my things repeat themselves, I think it's because of the life that we live, the life that this country has, you know. Gotcha. Well, that's also, I think, where the relatability comes from, Tony, as well. I think that's why readers, um, you know, find so many connections to your work, regardless of whether they live in Chicago or not. They're able to feel that connection because of that, because of that that realness. Well, for our audience out there that has not picked up the new book, One Day Activist, a David Price mystery, is available now through our friends at Amazon.com. You all can get it there for sure. And, Tony, another great conversation with you, man. Excited about what's to come for you. How can our audience stay connected with you? Okay, I'm definitely on Facebook, um, and you can reach, you can email me at writing w r i t i n g dot night n i g h t. That's writing dot night at gmail, um, and my website is www dot p n hyphen four hyphen hire h i r e dot com pen for hire dot com, and uh, the best way is just to send me an email writing.nice at gmail.com, and I respond. All right. Tony, congratulations to you again. Glad to be able to have you back on the broadcast and looking forward to our next chat together. Thank you, Cyrus. Thank you. And have a great continue, continued success to you as well, my brother. You're killing thank it you. out there. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're killing the game. Look, I, I you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you as well. <laughs> you as well. Hey, I'm not David Price killing, but I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you again, are doing Tony. well. Thank you, man. And we thank you, our audience, for tuning again. It's another great segment of Conversations Live. Now, depending on how you all are joining us, if you guys are joining us on the radio side here in Mississippi, you all can be able to catch the replay uh, tomorrow for you guys. So make sure you guys do check out our Facebook page at WYAD 94.1 FM. If you guys are joining us, of course, through Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, and Amazon Music, the replay is available on those platforms, so definitely make sure you guys check it out there. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let us go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>